Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. All right, guys, you know what time it is. It's time for a little stress relief, a little sleep support, recovery, you know, maybe even a little mood booster. I'm just saying. I need them all. Right? Like, these are the things that, like, we just, I, I don't know how we would, like, get through the day without, like, just little details, you know, just some things. And you know what? has also become such a thing is obviously having incredible skin. Like I feel like more than ever, like we have all sort of made this pivot to be like, ah, oh, skin care. Mm-hmm. Like logic, but you know. And as you guys may know, we do have a great solution. We have our favorite clean, climate positive, family farmed, carbon neutral, and responsibly sourced company to solve all of these things, and that is Prima. They are in Sephora. Forbes even called them the Patagonia of CBD. Like they've been praised by the New York Times, Fortune Mag, and so many more. Of course, us, which like maybe you know we're in that list, obviously. Definitely, right? Like obviously, you're like New York Times, Girl on the Go of the podcast, and then you're also like what connects them, and you're like ah, Prima. So Prima has amazing doctor formulated, clinically validated, high performance products for the skin body, and mind, like Prima's The Daily CBD Capsules, which is my favorite, by the way, to help relieve daily stress and keep you focused. Yeah. I literally, I took Prima in four different forms today. Basically (laughs) a living, breathing version of Prima. Yeah, like actually, because I mean, I have expressed plenty of times by now that Night Magic, the Night Oil by Prima is my favorite. Vogue even said that they have been swearing by Night Magic. So it's some good stuff, okay? But there's also huge news because there's a new product mm-hmm. Prima has just released, and I am obsessed. I doused my body in it today, <laughs> and it is their new body oil, which is a stress relief oil, but it also just gives you, like, the perfect summer glow. Like, I can't even tell you. You can mix it with your favorite lotion by itself or... What I've been doing is getting out of the shower and I don't fully dry myself off and you put the oil on when you're so a little wet and it like soaks right into your skin. All right, Sam? Pro tip. But no, I've been just glowing ever since I got that package. Everyone, everyone that pro tip. You take that and you tell everyone. So you guys, lucky for us, Prima is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time 15% off offer with the code GIRLGOV. So head to Prima.co. And you know the drill, or you're going to feel better, you're going to look glowy every day. Like a glazed donut. Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast, breaking down politics as we know it and removing all the bullshit. <laughs> because politics needed a rebrand. <laughs> Welcome back to Girl on the Gab, the podcast, everyone. I feel like we haven't opened an episode like that in so long. Like, we always just start talking about random shit. We really haven't. Guys, like, we have been busy. B-U-S-Y. 
Like, I honestly, like, I, first of all, I can't believe it's the middle of July. Second of all. Wait, I was thinking about today. I was like, no, it's not. It can't be. It It can't be. be. Like, it's genuinely so weird to me. Like, it feels like yesterday I was freezing my ass off and it was winter and I wasn't vaccinated and we were all, like, freaking out and I was looking for an apartment and just, like, I I feel like there are just so many things and now I feel like I just genuinely, there aren't enough hours in a day and somehow it keeps flying. I know. It's really overwhelming. Like, this this post-pandemic time is, like, super overwhelming, and actually there's something really scary about it. <laughs> it's It really is. It's, like, funny because it's, like, I feel like none of us, like, we all had, like, pre-pandemic, we had, like, routines. Yeah. For better or for worse. Like, definitely some elements of those routines that weren't great and, like, whatever. But now I feel like we're all trying to figure out what our new, like, routine should be, can be, whatever. Totally. And nothing's, like, normal yet. Things are still, like, changing, slowly coming back. And nothing's, like, set in stone or, like, back fully. It's, like, this weird limbo period where it's, like, oh, I guess we're back. Like, let me, like, just shove everything into my life right now at one time. And it's just, like, really overwhelming. And it's, like, impossible. I literally was trying to, which I want to, like, figure out, like, when I was going to visit my parents this summer, hence where I am right now. And I literally looked at my calendar and I was, like, I have something through October. Like, I was, like, literally, I was, like, I'm going to have to just cancel some events and, like, just do it. Just do it. I was, like, this is bananas. Like, I I have one friend that's literally has everything scheduled as a result of post-pandemic stuff through November. I was, like. Yeah. No, it's really bad. Regardless, nevertheless, moving forward, we have an incredible episode today. And we need to get to it. a fun one. A fun one, indeed. And we need to get to it because... We're the tangent queens, but add this woman into the mix and the tangents won't stop. They don't, they won't stop. The three of us could actually talk for maybe three weeks straight and not stop. Like actually months on end, 24-7, all day, all night. But do you want to introduce our guest today? Yes, I would love to introduce our guest. So you guys may be familiar with her because we have hosted a clubhouse with her. She's a special contributor to Girl in the Gov, and she is a amazing legal educator and explainer, as well as lawyer, and her name is Natasha Axelrod, and you may know her on the good old IG as The Legal Blonde. So, what does that mean in terms of the context of this episode, though? What are we talking about? Well, in this particular case, she is running us through some of the recent SCOTUS cases. Of course, there have been quite a few hot button ones that have come across the news waves recently. So we wanted to break these down and give you guys for the 411 and uh, sneak peek behind the scenes of what what's ahead as a result of these cases. So, And SCOTUS means Supreme Court oh, yeah. of the United States. Um, but just, you know... Where was my push cart, as my mother would say? I really lost it. And on that note, on that lovely definitions note, we will get things started. So here is Natasha. Yeah, so I'm so excited to be here with you girls when we first met, which is, of course, via Zoom. I was so excited because I love the young energy out there and learning politics. And part of politics is the Supreme Court. You know, people tend to forget that the Supreme Court, the federal judiciary is actually a branch of government. It's part of our system of checks and balances and has a lot of power. So um, I'm excited to talk about that. But yeah, so I've been a lawyer for my 11th year, I think. 
And time flies when you're litigating. <laughs> I was about to say. say having fun, but I, no, I was about to say, how fun is it? Yeah, I, I, I don't litigate anymore. I did litigate for about five years and I've had a number of different legal experiences. That was kind of my goal. I wanted to try a lot of things. And our society kind of discourages trying, I feel like. It's like, you're supposed to go to college, pick a major and stay there forever. And I'm like, that's totally. not realistic. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so yeah, I've tried a bunch of different areas of law. Right now, I currently work as corporate counsel, which I just kind of fell into. And so I do that kind of on the side of more of my stuff that I actually love, which is talking about law and politics and, you know, how we can create a little bit more informed electorate. So that's kind of uh, where I'm at. Which is awesome and like so cool. And I love that this intersection which is like obviously exists like you're saying like it is literally a part of like one of our branches of government but that you've really like brought some light to this like i know you have a podcast that also talks about that so i don't know if you want to give a little bit of info on that and the instagram videos which we love yes Yes. Yeah, I'm busy working um, in my labor of love with politics and government. And I realized that it took, for me, it took a formal legal education to learn how government worked. And I still have a ton of questions myself. You know, I, I spend more time in the legal aspect of stuff. But, you know, there's stuff that comes up in Congress every day. And I'm like, Google, like, that's, yeah. there's just, there's so much stuff. I mean, it is overwhelming. And so I think what I finally realized, I'd always, I would just study constitutional law for fun. And I didn't realize that that was like, I I mean, it's kind of embarrassing. Like, no, actually, I'm like so impressed because one of, I think it was like my senior of college. I was like a constitutional law class. And I was like, let's, let's try it. Let's try it out. I dropped it after one class because the professor, (laughs) the professor was like, we need to go get this textbook. And I'm not kidding. It was larger than my body. And I was like, the same for me. I'm going to actually back out of this one, but have fun, everyone. (laughs) <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, I'm like how is the cl- oh no <laughs> the class you didn't like the class. No, it's it's funny because most of my lawyer friends don't like constitutional law. Like you have to take it in law school and I know that they offer it in colleges and I couldn't imagine having taken that in college. I mean, it is a really complex area of law and there's so much that you can only even get to in even a year of it. And so I really can't like I've seen that and I'm like I could not have read one of those cases without learning how to read a case before that. Because even right. then you're like, what are they saying here? Why are they saying it so convoluted and in 400 pages? Okay, 400 is an exaggeration, <laughs> but it just, you know, they're long opinions. But I realize, you know, when people ask you in like interviews, like, what do you like to do for fun? Like, when, like if you're interviewing for a job and I never wanted to be like, oh, I study constitutional law, you know, like that's... <laughs> so nerdy, but, and I never thought I could do anything with it. I just thought it was like a hobby of mine that I kept to myself. And then with the advent of social media, someone suggested to me, they're like, why don't you like start making content? And I was, and then with the advent, you know, the, the kind of like Donald Trump years and Mm -hmm. the, I, I really feel like maybe it was always there before, but with the misinformation and kind of misleading everything out there I felt like it ramped up during the Trump years maybe it's been there all along and I just realized it more recently well I always I feel like just people in general too like there was a blessing in disguise Mm -hmm. to say like from the Trump years of like people actually being like oh shit like I need to like pay attention I need to like get this guy out of there like this 
I don't know politics. Like, so, this is someone else speaking. I don't know politics, but I know that man is not correct. <laughs> like, I think a lot of people had that, like, awakening, being like, yeah. oh, wow. And then, you know, this, like, surge of people wanting more and more civic information just, like, bursts onto the scene. And I think, yeah, you really took advantage of that with with your videos and obviously, like, us with the podcast, now your podcast. Like, I love it. There's just so much out there, and it's, like, and so also, needed. also, you know what's, like, funny, yeah. too? It's, like, also the like opposite of like not just like okay like what he's not doing or what he's doing is like not right like okay like that ain't it but it's also like the stuff he could get away with it was like how though like yeah i feel like there were so many questions and i still have a lot of them on like 20 million issues and 20 million things that Mm -hmm. that whack job like brought to the table but i think so much of the time i was like but that's legal like how yeah. or there's a loophole for that and i feel like that kind of like shock and awe moment like really like made people be like oh like we got to close those gaps like we got to figure out a way to like make some change like yeah I, those years my god i feel like we're still like honestly we have ptsd for a very long time and hopefully like 2024 doesn't like bring oh, us back oh for there. sure but like i'm glad we're here <laughs> no i was really angry for four years like as if he was in my house taunting me every day like that's what my psyche was like which maybe makes me insane because I let someone affect me that much but I actually was thinking about this recently like I just feel like my just mental health in general is like way better with just him not being there like all of a sudden I like don't have to just like and I think everyone even that in that like way because also because just Biden's a little more like boring and like normal and like status quo it's just like there's less of that like really divisive and like angry arguing and rhetoric and like a lot of that has slowed down and I think that was just like so hard and like tiring for four years of that and it's like exhausting exhausting he's an exhausting child oh my god literally makes me want to never have kids kidding (laughs) (laughs) I was like I'm good no he he made me like really give up in humanity for for a while there and I was like oh I think he made a lot of people give up I mean that's (laughs) And that's actually what pushed me, you know, even though I always loved politics, I really never did anything in it. I voted, Mm -hmm. I would research the issues, I would talk to people like within a circle, but I never felt comfortable speaking out. I never felt comfortable speaking up because I thought, who am I to do that? And then that happened. And even, you know, someone who was interested in politics, I was like, no, I need to take this to, there's something else I can do here. Is there like something that I could contribute to the world that is, you know, making more civic minded individuals and feeling more comfortable with, you know, it's like it is you put something out there, it's almost like being ready to be torn down. That's the kind of landscape we live in with social media. Yeah. But you know what, you're never going to make anyone happy anyway. And I learned that I've like naively believed when I started making content, so to speak, I naively, I was like, Oh, I think these Trump supporters, they just need facts. (laughs) They just need some education. They just need some information. No. That, no, they have <laughs> answers for everything. They have, like, all the talking points ready to go. Like, yeah. the Fox News talking points. And it's just, like, it's wild. it I, was rough. Guys, for, I, like, for a like, obviously, sometimes we end up in our, like, little bubble. And I was out in Connecticut this weekend. And we were in a little diner, like, having good old breakfast. And Fox News is on, which, obviously, I don't watch on the reg because I don't even have cable. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, let's start there and then let's add the problems to it. And they had, like, Trump on speed dial, like, for an hour. Like, I'm not even kidding. Oh, like, yeah. it was, like, And it was, like, the big news story. Like, President, former President Trump is on the phone. Like, here he is again. And here he is again. And I was, like, I, this guy's still on here? 
Like it just they better be they better be paying him. Like he might as well just become you know an analyst at yeah. this point, commentator. Yeah, yeah. He might yeah. as well <laughs> that be the new one. Tucker Carlson. <laughs> He's an analyst, all right. I mean, yeah, that guy. I mean, that just shows you too. It's like people who maybe were like, oh no, I'm not qualified enough for whatever the hell it is, whether it's in politics or anything. Like, no, you just go for it like right within reason I feel, like I feel like Donald, don't go who, for it anymore but <laughs> I feel like there's even people who like literally thought like oh I'm not even qualified to vote yet there's this man in office yeah <laughs> literally like I don't think I've ever been that level of stupid but we won't we won't get into that um no I know it just it's... wait speaking of stupid though we do have some stupid <laughs> questions to ask yes <laughs> no Perfect stupid segue. questions I think the only stupid question in the realm of politics is should I vote that's the only stupid one. Um, yes, way. we're gonna get that on a shirt one day. That is, yeah, <laughs> love that. Um, but no, I love it. I think we need to take any shame out of, and I think it's like so cool. You guys just ask the questions because yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff, myself included, with other stuff that comes up. I'm like, I have a question, but yeah. you know, people kind of expect you to know things that you know if you haven't been exposed to it before and you haven't studied it. There are some really damn complicated concepts, and there's a lot of them yeah. in every branch of government. I totally agree. Well, that's amazing. Let's get let's get going on the first one here. Okay, this is our first super question. What is the Supreme Court? What does it do? <laughs> Great question. Uh, the Supreme Court's the highest court in the land. It is our it's a, it's part of the federal judiciary, and so I think people you know when I got to law school, I didn't know there was a difference between a state and a federal system. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, but it is, it's true. If you've never studied it before, if you've never been involved in the court system, why would you know that? So the Supreme Court is, it was created by the Constitution in Article 3. And in no other courts, federal were actually created in the Constitution. They left that up to Congress. Congress then created the federal circuit courts as well as the federal district courts. And it's just kind of been that way. But yeah, the Supreme Court's the highest, it's a litigant's last resort. So it decides cases, you know, we're going to talk a little bit today about the um, NCAA case where they were mm-hmm. dealing with antitrust law. So they, you know, they hear all types of cases, but they also, the biggest power of the Supreme Court is what is known as judicial review, which I think is so fun to talk about, but no one else does because it's its power to basically interpret the constitution. And there's there a lot of philosophy involved in government. And so one of the things about the Supreme Court though, and the way our system works for better or worse, right or wrong, whether it's how it was intended to be, Supreme Court is the final say on what the constitution means essentially. And that's a really big power. And that's where you hear all of these typically more of the hot topic cases or some kind of interpretation of the constitution, particular, particularly with individual rights and liberties. And that is what the Supreme Court does a lot, is interpret the Constitution. So love that in terms of like understanding like federal, like what goes on there, but like what other types of courts are there like outside of that? Like you said, there's some state situations going on. What does that entail? Like so the same system, but like on a state level, like what does that look like? Very similar to the federal system. There's really kind of this hierarchy, right? So you have a Supreme Court, United States Supreme Court, then you have what are called circuit courts of appeal or appeals. I forget. California calls their court of appeal appeal or appeals. And they get, it's like, I always forget which one it is, but it's like, it's an appellate court. Okay. It's the intermediate court. And then the district court, which is a trial court, that's the federal level. States have very similar systems where you have some type of highest court. Not every state calls their highest court in the state a Supreme Court. 
some like to be different, like New York. New York is a little confusing, but the the function is the same. It's the highest court in that state. Then they have an intermediate court of appeals. And then they have the lowest court, generally speaking, which is a trial court. This is where a trial would play out. Appellate courts do not hear witnesses. They don't have new facts. They're really reviewing what a lower court did. All of that happens at the trial court level, whether it's in state or federal court. And then of course, at the state level, you also have a bunch of different kinds of courts. You have small claims court, you might have family court, you might have a bunch of, you know, depending on how the system is set up, but the general hierarchy for civil and criminal cases is trial, intermediate, highest court. Amazing. And they all have power. Every court has power, some bigger than others because of just its stature in the system, like the Supreme Court and other courts. You know, it, it, when I litigated, it was like the judge matters. The judge has power over someone's legal rights. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Can you kind of explain that now? Like kind of what what courts and what judges do have the most power? Like, how does that all work? So definitely the Supreme Court of the United States, SCOTUS. I love that you already knew it's called SCOTUS. <laughs> Sometimes you say that and people are like, Huh? What Definitely. language is that? <laughs> yeah. Well, they do kind of speak in another language. Um, That's very true. I, I remember the first case I read in law school. Everyone, you know, they, if you go to law school, people tell you, like, it's going to be so hard. And it is hard. It's difficult. It's stressful. All that stuff. But I was like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe this experience is going to be so hard. And I got the first case assignment. It was a page. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, this is going to be so easy. And it took me three hours to read the page because it was written in, it looked like English. But obviously it was legal gibberish and I had to look up every word in a legal oh, dictionary. I mean, it was just, yeah. I was like, who even writes like this? But yeah. anyway, there is, so yeah, it's like another language, right? And so judges- Wait, actually, sorry, oh, yeah, that just made ahead. me think of when we had Ben Sheehan on and he made the point of like, like lawyers, it's kind of intentionally that way because like lawyers like wouldn't have really a job if people <laughs> didn't know how to, <laughs> if people knew how to interpret what the law was. Yeah, it's true. You know? I swear they tried, they write it. And I would come across, you know, attorneys and court briefs and when all that stuff, and they would just write stuff like, you know, using the language, like notwithstanding and these like terms that they just add in to look like, oh, look at me. I, I know yeah. what I'm talking about. It's like, you actually don't. And <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's meant, I swear it's meant to confuse and, and keep our profession right. flourishing <laughs> because you charge a lot of money to, and pricey yeah <laughs> yeah I mean and that's the other thing that not to get off topic but it's there's so much out there that yeah if you have a specific issue in your life you should definitely contact an attorney generally speaking there's a lot of you know as a lawyer giving legal advice subjects you to malpractice and so what I do is very much just information not legal advice and but I think people get confused because there are a lot of misleading people out there and there, there, is, there are times you might need a lawyer, right, for your specific situation and you should absolutely get a lawyer. But in terms of general information, I feel like there's a lot that can be had there. Just like generally speaking about the law and statutes and yeah, we don't know what they mean. And you know what's crazy is that a lot of times courts disagree on what they mean. And mm-hmm. so when you ask about, you know, what does a judge do in any given case, it's typically at a trial court level you know, if you have a jury, whether it's a civil or criminal case, in criminal cases, people are entitled to a jury for sure. That's the Seventh Amendment? Oh my God, I can't, I don't know why I can't remember that. (laughs) And the jury finds facts. The jury decides what witnesses to believe, what evidence is credible, and they render a decision applying law to fact. A judge in a case, in a civil case, in a trial case, for instance, trial case, trial, for instance, 
acts as a gatekeeper of evidence, they kind of run the show, right? So they decide what evidence gets to come in. That can have massive effects mm -hmm. on a case. They decide whether a case gets dismissed early. There's a couple different methods for getting a case kicked out of court early. One of which I, you know, Donald Trump just recently filed three lawsuits against Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for violating his First Amendment rights. And I think that those companies should file what's called a motion to dismiss like pretty quickly to get the lawsuit thrown out at an early stage. But there's also a motion for summary judgment that people can file. So judges make really important decisions throughout the life of a case. They even make decisions on discovery. Discovery is the process of a lawsuit where you literally discover information about the other side. You ask each other questions written. That's where depositions come in, which is oral testimony under oath. And so there's, there's just a lot of power that they wield in any given case, but definitely the higher up the court, really the more power, because the more far reaching it can be getting all the way up to the Supreme Court, which reaches everyone in the country versus a state Supreme Court only reaches that state, yeah. for instance. That's actually like a really good point. I feel like we should clarify for everyone listening of like the difference between like when a state makes a decision and when like the federal courts make a decision. So like when a state, like say it's New York state and like the highest court says, I'm now going to not think of like a good case for this, but like says that like literally like people in New York state can't eat apples. I don't know why this is what comes to mind. I literally don't even like apples. So I was like, going to say, do you like apples? Like, is this personal? No. <laughs> Well, New, York has, New York has the Angry Orchard. Um, okay, I love right. Angry Orchard. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> that sounds like, really good right now. So one of my, my old roommate used to do, like, the PR for them. And so we would always oh. have them, like, just so many, like, free ones in the apartment. And now I, like, I can't even look at them. I can't even look at them. <laughs> <laughs> I okay, that's like awesome. Haunted. It was a I good get it, for but, us. It was yeah, like, a great one. <laughs> It's like, you know, it's over though. Point. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Unfortunately, me and Angry Orchard, we broke up, but it's okay. <laughs> but okay. So, in terms of my bad apple example, so say New York State, like they say, like, no more apples, y'all, like, whatever. Does that apply to anyone in any other state or just New York State? Just New York. So, if it's a, you know, if it's a law that says that, you, can't eat apples and let's say someone challenges the constitutionality of that for some reason and under New York's constitution yeah it would just be in New York but there are this is where it gets really confusing because if it's you know states have to comply with the federal constitution every state and every state has its own constitution too and its own laws and its own court system and sometimes they intersect because there might be a federal issue in a case that is in state court and state courts can hear that as long as it's not you know the supreme court and the well, the federal judiciary itself, federal courts have exclusive jurisdiction, meaning power over certain types of cases. And so, you know, as long as it's not that, basically state courts can hear federal claims too. And sometimes the federal court system can hear state claims if certain kind of qualifications are met. So there's a lot of crossover, and that's why people get really frustrated with the law because it's always nuanced and there's always an exception and there's always like this. And so I, I say, that you should never say always and you should never say never even though i say it within that saying it because it's <laughs> like it's just it's hard to give general kind of points right but generally speaking if it's just a state law if it's just the state courts interpreting the state law then yes it would just apply within that state okay right 
Makes sense. No bad apples. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. I love that. Okay, amazing. Next time, I'm going to like have to think of like a vegetable, like mix it up, like bring another like part of the <laughs> Brussels sprouts? I hate Brussels sprouts. What? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We need to talk about the Brussels sprouts. Where is this? Have you had from? like some like good ones? Like yes. honey glazed and everything? Yeah, like those. Types? I have and I can still, all I taste is sprout. <laughs> like it's just, I've tried. I really have. There and are some like, good ones out there, you know? I used uh, to feel that way about Brussels sprouts. I know. I know. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's just. Yeah, they're, they're sprouty for sure. <laughs> I got those sprouty undertones. Okay, well, let's like move on and get into some cases. And these are ones that, that did make it up to the Supreme Court. So Really rare to do, by the way. It's very rare that any case is going to get to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Um, and there were a few, so, right? And we're we're going to cover two of them, but Yeah. that recently this recently happened. So, first one, I'm going to butcher this. Mah- what is this word? Is it Mahoney? <laughs> It's like Mahanoi Mahanoi or something. Mahanoi Area School District versus BL. Yeah. What is it? What happened here? Just give us the whole kind of like first like background on like really what happened. This one's kind of fun because I refer to this one as the foul-mouthed cheerleader. This 14-year-old girl, she tries out for cheerleading and she makes the JV squad not the varsity and she's pissed and she's also 14 and she's a girl, right? We've all, we actually all have been there. And she sends out a Snapchat. Now I remember when I was talking to Allegra about this, my podcast partner, and I stopped her and I was like, do you know what a Snapchat is? And it's funny (laughs) because I wasn't even trying to be condescending. It's just, I don't, you know, I don't use Snapchat. I know what it is, but I don't really know that it works other than, or how it works rather than it's just up for 24 hours or something. And it only goes to your list of people. So she sends out a snap and it's her giving her, putting her middle finger up, saying F cheer, or it's like four things, F school, F this, F cheer, F everything or something, right? And she uses the words, right? And she sends it out to her little list or whatever, but someone somehow captures it, screenshots it, it gets back to her cheerleading coach. And this is in the public school context. So I think it's important to point out that, you know, the constitution generally only applies to governmental actors which would include school districts. So you typically only have- Which is so interesting. Like, yeah, I mean, people don't know that, I think, generally yeah. speaking, because people love to s- scream, I have free speech. Well, and, wait, then I have a question like about the Trumps of it all. Like, yeah. if those are private companies, technically, right? Yep. Okay, so- So yeah, so that's why they're <laughs> kind of laughable, those lawsuits, because okay. Generally speaking, the First Amendment does not apply to private companies. So, but Trump's arguing in those lawsuits that that Facebook, they like basically worked in tandem with the government, which also is not the inquiry you make. And because there are instances where a private person or company could be subject to the Constitution. It's not that that doesn't ever exist. It's that what Donald Trump is claiming, that isn't it. Like that's- Yeah, because like they're their own company and they can make their own like values and like- I guess just guidelines of like how you are allowed to use their platform, right? So that's exactly it. And also they're the ones with the first amendment rights then against the government. The right. government shouldn't be telling them who they can and can't block or who they mm-hmm. what kind of speech they can and can't censor. And so people get up in arms like, oh, you're censoring speech. And it's like, yeah, but freedom of speech 
the the constitutional right of freedom of freedom of speech is against government infringement and this there's also kind of like a greater concept of freedom of speech like should we have free speech as a, as a society sure but that doesn't mean we all have to like what someone else is saying so when you talk about cancel culture for instance and you know not liking what someone says that's a consequence of your speech you may be able to say it you may not yeah. be able to stop someone from saying it mm-hmm. but your speech may have consequences to people well yeah especially you know, on big platforms like Twitter and you're the president of the United States and coronavirus is happening and like (laughs) you're just spewing out information that could be like detrimental literally to people's lives. Like it makes sense for a platform and a company to be like, all right, we're drawing the line or like like inciting violence, which literally happened. So literally happened. Yeah. I, 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 and that whole discussion is, is an interesting one. And I've seen people argue that because of the the growth of these social media companies, they should kind of be what are considered public forums and subject to these regulations, but it would be a huge change in the law. That is not what the law currently is. These are private companies according to constitutional precedent but donald doesn't care and then he's like fundraising off of it like of course that's why he does anything exactly that's only why he does any that's why he did like even challenged all the you know elections and stuff so people could fund him and help him with his campaign debt but (laughs) before we get into you know too much of a trump tangent okay back to screenshot the coach saw it yes public school which public is school side note not to be like totally jersey but what a rat whoever sent this screenshot <laughs> yeah. oh totally my jersey. god yeah this is actually a very petty case not because of the cheerleader who went all the way to the supreme court but because the cheerleading coach who's an adult right is like you're suspended for a year right like that's yeah and then like this it wouldn't just drop it like right insane it's kind of a silly case in that sense, but the fact that it's actually, you know, dealt with a constitu- pretty serious constitutional issue, but the cheerleader won at every stage. So this is, this is how, so anyway, she sends out the Snapchat, right? And she gets suspended for a year and the district court trial court is like, no, that's you violated her first amendment rights. Right. So the Supreme court agrees. Eventually uh, the school district kept appealing and this is a That's case so where bizarre. this was eight one, I think Justice Thomas dissented, which not surprising. But this was a pretty clear case that if you were going, if the Supreme Court was going to be like, yes, this is off campus. This happened not on campus. It's a few curse words. She wasn't threatening anyone. She wasn't bullying anyone. She wasn't harassing anyone. And it's technically like private too, because it's interesting. Like Snapchat is kind of like all right, it's going away in 24 hours. I'm not like plastering this all over, you know, the streets. It's like, not <laughs> disruptive. Right. So that's kind of the standard. And there was a case in the 60s that dealt with campus speech. And basically the court said that schools can, this again, public schools only can regulate speech if it's like significantly significantly disruptive. I think it's called substantial disruption because yeah, you want to protect the educational environment. So what the court said here was they did side with the cheerleader. They said the, the school went too far in disciplining her. They violated her first amendment rights, but that doesn't mean that schools can't ever regulate off-campus speech, particularly if it's like bullying or harassment. Mm-hmm. They didn't, this is what the Supreme Court does a lot is like, they didn't make it clear 
like when this would apply and when they could act the exact instances where, you know, and it's going to always going to kind of be a fact intensive analysis, which is why people get really frustrated with the Supreme Court, because there's not a lot of clarity that comes out of a lot of cases. But what we know here is that they didn't say absolutely no. They didn't say schools can never regulate off-campus speech. And with social media the way it is, the law definitely, just generally speaking, hasn't caught up to technology. Yeah. And it does bring this whole new host of issues of, you know, then the question I could see in a future case is, well, does this rise to the level of bullying? Is this bullying? Which means it wouldn't be, you know, protected and the school could regulate. We don't know what that's all going to look like, but they got it right here. This is a teenager blowing off steam. And I'm sure I've had that sentiment a million times, especially as a teenager. And now it's just like, you know, even though Snapchat is just like memorialized. Whereas when I was in school, it would have been just us saying that and maybe no one would have seen it or heard it. And now it's much easier to express things and have them be seen by a lot of people. And that brings new questions to the mix of um, what's protected and what's not. That's so true. And even thinking about then too, like say you're on like to the lack of like clarity, say you're on campus and then you're using like Instagram or something like that. And you're posting from there with the location tag of your school then do they get to regulate that because you're integrating like these specific location into like your post? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, there's a ton of scenarios that could happen where it's like, it's questionable. And the standard seems to be though, and that, you know, it's gotta be this substantial disruption to the educational environment. And what that means is gonna be different, but and in th- that, so that seems to be what the Supreme Court was was sticking with, and that I think we'll see. They also took the easy way out. I think in some ways, you know, this was you know liberals and conservatives agreed, and we don't always see that. But I think this was also not a case that was super partisan. Yeah. In yeah. in that vein, I think it would have been insane if they found for the school district. But it, I was like, I wasn't convinced that it couldn't happen. Like, you, yeah. Just, you never I know could- with. I could totally have seen it going the other way, to be honest. Like, I really, I really could have. But I do think what you're saying, too, about, like, it being a disruptive environment is such an interesting thing because that is so vague. Like, that makes me think of dress codes, right? And, like, how, like, everyone is always, like, oh, like, girls aren't allowed to wear, like, like, what you call it, like, spaghetti straps or whatever because it's disruptive. And it's, like, okay, well, A, bullshit, but, like, B, like, someone could say that it is. And then, like, where does that, like, fall on that line? And granted, it's not, like social media or free speech in a sense, but like, it's also personal expression. So maybe in a sense it's expression, it's freedom of speech in, you know, it really, it's freedom of expression because speech is not just spoken. It's not just written. It's also expressive conduct. Mm -hmm. So there is, you know, and I actually, I hope I'm not confusing this with something else, but the case that actually was this big speech regulation case about student speech, the Tinker case, I think it actually was a case where people, students were, protesting the Vietnam War and they just wore black bands on their arms. Um, pretty sure that's the case. Sometimes when I read so many cases altogether, I get them confused. I don't know how you do and it. And they start so like, <laughs> they start becoming like, the same. And then I dream about it. I'm like, I can't believe I'm dreaming about it. I literally can't court. imagine. It's so dorky. It but yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting issues with freedom of speech. Generally speaking in society, especially now with kids and social media in the public school context and I think we're gonna see a lot more of it just as the years go on okay one more question before we get into this other case which I know Maddie is like dying to talk about because she was like actually an athlete yeah I want to hear about that 
where does this stuff stand in terms of like a private school? Like if say said cheerleader went to a private school, like would they be able to, as a private entity, be able to like regulate like her freedom of speech more in the sense, like, like an employer would be like a hobby lobby is able to like essentially discriminate against who they hire. Like, are they legally able to also sort of limit free speech? Technically, yes, because they're private, right? They're not, they do, they can't violate someone's first amendment rights, but I think it's also important to point out, generally speaking, for anyone, any private actor or private employer or private school or any of that, they're still subject to the law. So there may be, in terms of discrimination, there's laws protecting against that. And then we hopefully we'll be seeing more and more laws that protect certain classes of individuals as things evolve. And so it's not that they get off scot-free for anything and everything. It's just that in the context of constitutional litigation and constitutional rights, it really needs to be a governmental actor to violate them in order to have an actionable case against them. Well, let's get into the next one. NCAA case. Lots, lots of thoughts here. And let's just start by kind of getting the like scope and background on like what happened here. So yeah, as a college athlete yourself, this is got to hit a little close to home. This is, this case is about athlete compensation. Student athletes are not allowed to make money per NCAA rules. And that's just generally how it is. And they can, they can get scholarships, which include like tuition, room and board, and like ancillary expenses related to like attending college. But the general rule is no, you can't make money. You can't do, you know, endorsements using your name and image and likeness. And, and it's weird because there's no other rules against other students, right? It's just student athletes that yeah. that can't do this and, and make money. But this case didn't answer the broader question. That question wasn't asked in this case. This case dealt with only and said that only education related, there was only education related benefits were dealt with here. And that's like computers for class or like a paid internship, post, you know, graduate school scholarship very limited thing. So this ruling was kind of limited. And what happened here is a bunch of former athletes sued the NCAA saying they were in violation of the antitrust laws. And antitrust law is a really complicated area of law. It has a whole thing. I don't practice antitrust law, so I don't pretend to be an expert in it. But just generally speaking, the laws are supposed to promote competition and prevent monopolies. And you're not supposed to know business or anyone is supposed to be able to restrain trade. And the NCAA has done that for years. And when you, yeah, when you look at their business model, it's basically, they make billions of dollars and they don't pay their main workers, the athletes, right? Right. And they get away with it and they have gotten away with it until now. They like always scream, but it's the amateurism of it all. That's what, you know, we need, they can't make money or else we lose the amateur status. And that's what distinguishes this from pro sports and consumers you know, they, they expect that these athletes are not going to be paid. And so this Supreme Court decision was just that for the first time, the NCAA was told, um, no, the antitrust laws apply to you. And they have continually argued they don't. And they have gotten away with it until now. So while this ruling was actually limited in and of itself, because it's only these education-related benefits that it addressed, it didn't address the overall pay-for-play, didn't address name, image, likeness, it's it opened the door to more challenges. But that has started to change now. And the NCAA actually announced a few weeks ago a rule change, which is really just a policy change and it's temporary, but they basically kind of suspended the rules that athletes can't use their name, image, or likeness to make money. And that has just recently changed. And it's a little, it's in flux, right? So, and it's also not 
in my opinion, the NCAA being altruistic all of a sudden. It's so they won't get like sued again. They're And they're going to get sued again and they should get sued again, generally speaking, because the only way to hold, you know, a conglomerate like the NCAA, and don't get me wrong, I consume the NCAA products. Like March Madness is my favorite time of year. Hands down, I'm a psychotic Syracuse basketball fan. So like <laughs> I consume this product, right? But them as a like, kind of entity, you know, and it's, it's an association, right? It's all of the member schools that make up the NCAA, but they've, they've gotten away with exploiting athletes for years and they just made this interim rule change. And so, but that doesn't mean the law has changed yet. That doesn't mean, you know, states have actually passed some laws about name image likeness. And what the NCAA said was, you know, for these schools that are in those states that have laws, you have to follow the laws And then if your state doesn't have a law yet, you have to kind of come up with your own policies at the university. So this is all in flux, but it actually was a huge step in this whole college sports reform movement that athletes for the first time can use their name, image, and likeness to make money. And this is like, for people that may not know, you know, this is like basically a right to publicity. It's almost like a right to sell yourself. Yeah. And they, as you said, they have not been allowed to do that. Yeah. I mean, I'm very happy about this, but I'm also a little bit better because like I can't be a part yeah. of the Barstool new right. student-athlete marketing firm. But you know what? I'm happy That's for it. all the student-athletes out there that are finally getting their money, you know? <laughs> yeah, and there's still a lot more. You know, it's still the, the NCAA has made these rules and it's not the law, right? It's their rules. But there could be laws that protect athletes further. And, you know, Justice Kavanaugh had a concurring opinion in the in the Alston case. And I think that's almost getting more attention than the opinion itself, the majority opinion, because Justice Kavanaugh joined the majority opinion. And a concurring opinion, just in basic Supreme Court kind of terms, it's, it's not law itself. But we pay attention to concurring opinions and dissents because they tell us a lot about what justices are thinking. And they tell us a lot about what might happen in the future. And they tell us, you know, Justice Kavanaugh was like almost screaming about how, you know, the NCAA is not above the law and kind of like inviting challenges to like, yeah, give us a chance to take up these other broader issues. And Kavanaugh was like, I don't see how these pass muster under this framework. And that's a bad sign for the NCAA. Great sign for student athletes. Well, that's the one time I'll be grateful for Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, I, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> He's all about the, the student athletes, which actually I think some people find surprising because, you know, sometimes people are on the side of the NCAA. Like, yeah, it's like a lot of people are like, oh, well, they have scholarships. You know, they get all this, these other perks and they don't need like online. But it's like when you think about the billions and billions of dollars the NCAA makes off of these like very hardworking student athletes who literally go through hell for their sport. Yeah. And really, you know, obviously scholarships are great, but it's just like not even, especially for some of these like bigger sports, like the March Madness, all of that, like, they're making so much money for this organization and it's like they get a very small sliver of it, which is just not okay by any means. Very small sliver. And it's also, you know, this is also a racial justice issue that people yeah. maybe don't think about is a lot of these college athletes, especially in basketball and football, are predominantly black. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they don't get a full scholarship. Right. So they're busting their ass like you're describing and I think I saw some average where they spend at least 50 hours a week on their chosen sport, these oh, athletes, insane. and they can't even get food sometimes because if they don't yeah. have a full scholarship and full room and board and whatever it is, yeah. that's not right. Yeah, a lot of, you know, the athletes come from 
just lower income families and all these things and if yeah. they don't get say even the food stipend some of them literally like are hungry like go to sleep yeah. hungry every night because they don't have money to literally eat and just knowing like even my experience I needed two meals every meal <laughs> <laughs> that's me now so I literally ate two dinners two lunches every day but like I can't even imagine just like not be going through that experience without like the food stipend and all of that and I, I think I only got that like my first two years when I was like on campus and then like they're once you're you know junior senior they're like oh well go figure it out like <laughs> go figure out yeah it's really yeah. bad and you wouldn't you know part of the justices and especially Kavanaugh's point is that you wouldn't get away with this in any other industry you wouldn't get away with treating these people like this who are working for you essentially right, right? and it's not you know none of this is to say the Supreme Court didn't say that the athletes have to make money. They didn't even say that the schools have to give these education related benefits. It wasn't like an affirmative kind of action or directive in that way. But this this case just does open the door to some real reform here mm-hmm. that all of these issues should be addressed. And I, and I think we'll see more challenges because now student athletes have been empowered. You know, imagine like when you're back there, you know, you picture, picture it probably, you're just a cog in this wheel, right? You're like, mm-hmm. I'm powerless to change anything as this person and I'm going to play because I love it or whatever. Or I have a scholarship and, but you, you, if the people in authority that could hold the NCAA accountable never have, what power do you think you have? But these guys did think, and they, mm-hmm. and the, and the Austin case was a class action. And, and I think it's, you know, it's kind of, it's, strategic decision on the behalf of on behalf of the attorney to kind of target a more narrow issue first yeah and then you know instead of going really broad and losing but they won and I think they got more than they even tried to bargain for which is that door opening to challenges in the supreme court basically saying like this is like pretty this is yeah yeah even making you know the ncaa internally just rethink everything but yeah they're um, gonna get challenged and you know the other thing is that I think the NCAA has always argued and people against this are like, but they're amateurs and, and, you know, they can go play pro sports. The amount of athletes that actually go on to That's the other thing, play yeah. pro sports is very, very small low overall. Yeah. So I like literally right like not the biggest consumer of college sports. Shocker. I know. <laughs> and, but like if say, for example, like all of a sudden I was seeing like all of these like really cool athletes, like, across like different campaigns like with brands that I follow I might be more into it because like that's how it happens with like like I am into like pro tennis but like for example if I saw more like college tennis players that were like killing it and they were also like getting like deals with sweet green I'd be like huh I wonder who they are and I should totally keep an eye on like where they like stack up but like because I like don't follow from the get-go like they're actually missing a market opportunity to like bring more people into it so like the irony is it's just totally like isolating them and it's preventing more competition because you're just not even bothering to have anyone like re or enter the the market fresh. So it's just like, yeah, it's a grind for sure. And it's just like, it's about time for this to happen. So it's exciting. And then we'll see, hopefully, you know, what the floodgates do, but yeah. Kavanaugh is ready. He's he's Kavanaugh is our champion right now. Yeah, who knew? (laughs) Who knew that Kavanaugh would... Hot twist. Yeah. But before we go, we want to make sure that we give you the chance to plug like all of your stuff so that people can find you. 
Oh, yeah. So I have an Instagram profile. That's just me. I nicknamed myself the legal blonde. Actually, someone else nicknamed me the legal blonde because they're like, you need a name. No one cares what your actual name is. And I was like, okay, thanks. So I do some videos on there, just like a basic kind of legal constitutional concepts. And then my good girlfriend and I started a podcast called Legally 40-ish because we're almost 40. And we talk for 40-ish minutes and we do a little bit of pop culture and politics on there. So Ooh, Allegra, my podcast partner, she loves Bravo and reality TV. Don't we both as well uh, You guys both here. do. Yeah, I'm in the minority. I still hate it. But with legal issues, I feel like it's just a good way to get people a little more informed on basic it's true. stuff, right? Yeah, don't um, tell anyone, but sometimes on, when we post, when I like post a story, I'll tag like the hashtags like, Bravo memes, summer house, bachelorette, like, and hide them in the story so that people, <laughs> people searching for those might run across, like, some civic engagement and might stick around. So I'm just targeting our demographic. I love that. But pro tip, you know, pro tip. But it's just for so long been, you know, just taboo topics and yeah. intimidating ones. And that's really you know, taboo, what we're though. both doing is... Again, like, I think you definitely are also, like, rebranding politics with us and rebranding law. You're rebranding law in, like, such a cool Rebranding way. law. I like that. And yeah, so, that's... Yeah. We yeah. love what you're doing, and we appreciate you coming on. But I love so what much. you girls are doing. And I love your energy. The young energy is, like, like oh, I'm pushing 40. I, I'm, like, holding and on to the younger energy out there. People won't be able to see, obviously, on a podcast, but this woman does not even look close to 40. She looks not even close. like Sam and I's age, so you guys would be shocked, but <laughs> anyways. It was so yeah. fun. Thank you so much for coming on again, and we can't wait to have you back on. No, thank you. Top stories of the week. Are we ready? We are. Well, it's... It's a top story that we have maybe talked about over and over and over again. And but we did say we would give everyone updates and so that's just we're just fulfilling our promises here because we're talking about voting rights again for the People Act, the restrictive voting laws in Texas. We're going to cover kind of the updates on that today. So to start, we're going to go to Texas Yeehaw. because <laughs> Yeehaw, because Texas Democrats actually left the state to literally try and stop the GOP voting bill. But basically, Democrats in the Texas legislature bolted on Monday for Washington, D.C. at Like, just went to go, like, literally hug, like, Joe Biden. Like, this is base. Like, please save us. They said that they're ready to remain there for weeks in their second revolt against the GOP overhaul of election laws in Texas, forcing a dramatic new showdown over voting rights in America, which is just, like... We thought it started earlier this year. It has not stopped. It has just heated up. But private planes carrying more than 50 Democrats left Austin for D.C., basically skipping town just days before the Texas House of Representatives was expected to give early approval to sweeping new voting restriction restrictions in a special legislative session. So the numbers meant that the House would not have have enough lawmakers literally just in attendance in the building to conduct their business. And so obviously that then means that they couldn't even vote on the bill. So they're really just, again, revolting is perfect word, and rebelling and fleeing the state in order to stop this restrictive voting bill, which is just like so bizarre. But this cross-country exodus was the second time that Democratic lawmakers have staged a walkout on the voting overhaul. 
measure um, of their fierce opposition to these proposals that they say, you know, will make it harder for young people to vote, people of color, people with even disabilities to vote. But even like last month's effort, there remains no real clear path for Democrats to permanently block this voting measure or, you know, a list of other kind of contentious GOP backed proposals in Texas that are up for debate right now. But back in Texas, this is kind of like, (laughs) this is the funny part, but the Republicans back in the state capitol in Texas authorized the finding and bringing back of the more than 50 lawmakers under a warrant of arrest if necessary. So they are threatening to arrest all these lawmakers, which, by the way, is just going to backfire because then they literally won't be able to do business at all. So, however, you know, state troopers in Texas have no jurisdiction beyond Texas. So the move has little practical effort in the short term, but Governor Greg Abbott has already threatened Democrats with arrest once they come back home, which may not be until the current 30-day special session ends in August, though that would successfully delay the GOP's current effort. But Governor Abbott has vowed to keep trying until the 2022 elections if necessary. So this is just so dramatic. Like this could actually be an episode of like Housewives or something. Or like yeah, where's Jen Shaw? Like like you know this needs to, <laughs> this needs to be honestly like an action movie, like Avengers, like something. It's that dramatic, but absolutely wild and pretty entertaining. And here we are. It really, it really is. And like, what on earth, like. Texas, really Texas, but like also this makes sense, Texas. But anyway, speaking of Biden, good old Biden, he's really escalated his little stance here on fighting for voting rights, which has resulted in a speech in not Texas, but in Philadelphia on voting, which came a day after this whole Palooza situation began with the Texas Democrats making a little bon voyage to Washington. They're vacationing in Washington, D.C. Which, let me tell you, I have been there during summer and I love D.C. It's like one of my favorite cities. It is hot. I live for humidity. Like, I love, like, 90 degrees in humidity I live for and I think there's something wrong with me. You love that glazed donut look. Shout out. I do. I look great like a glazed (laughs) <laughs> but you can look like a glazed donut year-round with Prima. Um, Code girl. Girl go, go. 15% off a checkout. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, back to our regular scheduled. Oh, my God. Back <laughs> to the humidity in D.C. Back to the humidity in D.C. It is, like, gnarly hot. And granted, I've never been to Texas, so I probably Texas am is not. actually probably worse. Yeah, so maybe this and is, the like, bugs. honestly, like cooler but i've heard some gnarly things about te- uh, about dc bugs too oh because yeah. it's swampy yeah but anyways if anyone is from either spot wants to talk about the weather and give us a little bit more four on one okay hit us in the dms that. yeah but you know regardless this bon voyage during this little like i said again bon voyage which apparently is not my new favorite phrase biden really proclaimed that protecting ballot access is a central cause of his presidency a central cause that he's undertaking which is interesting because the white house has faced sharp criticism from allies for not doing more and has really been kind of like put against this like stubborn Senate situation, the Senate math in its ability, you know, to act has really been really, mm, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Their hands have been kind of tied. Oh yes, yes, filibustered. Very specifically filibustered. Good old Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer, Texas Democrats, and uh, you know, God himself, had a little news conference and promised to stay out and kill this bill. 
that bill being the Texas bill. However, State Representative Chris Turner, the leader of the Texas legislature's House Democrats, predicted that their efforts would ultimately be futile unless congressional Democrats take bolder action to overcome a Senate Republican blockade of the sweeping federal voting bill. Hashtag duh. The legislation known as the For the People Act, go listen to her episodes all on that with our friend Natalia Ramos. But that act would create national standards for voting that could roll back some of the restrictions that have been approved and or are advancing in the Republican-led states that are pushing them, including Texas. So the commentary, according to Turner, goes as follows. We can't hold this tide back forever. Hashtag roll tide. We're buying some time. We need Congress and all of our federal leaders to use that time wisely. Interesting. So we literally went from state politics in the Texas legislature to the White House and Biden to now the Senate, who, which is where we need the For the People Act to be passed. And left-leaning groups are pressuring Schumer, who is, again, our Senate majority leader, to act on this voting bill. So the pressure is just coming from all angles, which we love to see because we need this to pass. But again, dozens of left-leaning organizations are asking Chuck Schumer to schedule a new vote this month on Democrats' sweeping voting and elections bill that we know and love. But this time they are asking Senate Democrats to weaken the filibuster rules which requires 60 votes to advance most legislation and push the measure through on a party line basis, of course, with our Madam Vice President, Queen Kamala Harris, casting the tie-breaking 51st vote. But they do face a very tough road ahead because there isn't enough support in the Senate Democratic Caucus to eliminate the filibuster because of moderate Senator Joe Manchin, who we've talked about, and Kristen Sinema of Arizona among those opposed. But most are open to changing the Senate rules. Without changing the filibuster, though, it is unlikely the Democrats will be able to advance the bill in the face of unified Republican opposition, which we are very aware of. It's it's strong. (laughs) But Biden's White House has characterized the issue as the fight of his presidency. But Biden, too, opposes eliminating the filibuster because he says, like, it can be used or it has been used the other way, aka Democrats using it when the Republicans hold control of the Senate. But, like, I just don't get that argument at all because it's like, regardless, it needs to be eliminated because it's also terrible when the Democrats use it. Like, it just creates the partisan divide that it makes for nothing to get done. I, you know, you're speaking my language. Oh, yeah. But that that is it for this week. And... Yeah, I think we definitely want to tell everyone who is listening to sign up for our brand ambassador program if you're interested. We will put all the information in the episode description, so go check it out, see if it floats your boat. You know, we'll be providing political networking opportunities. We're also just like a fun community of just chicks right now, but everyone's welcome. Talking about politics and having fun and getting to know each other and... There's some other fun stuff mixed in there. So go check it out and sign up if you're interested. But that that really is it, right? For this it week. Is, it is. I mean, the typical like follow, follow on Spotify, follow on social media. Rate subscribe, review. Rate review. Good job, Sam. I'm on it. <laughs> but that is really it for this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode and you know the drill. We will be talking to you all next Wednesday.
Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.